This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're recapping a victory for the football team under the lights at Garcelon Field over rival Bowdoin. Plus, women's soccer had a senior day to remember, and we preview this Sunday's head of the Charles Regatta for the rowing teams. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. On Saturday, the Bates football team defeated rival Bowdoin for the 10th time in the last 11 seasons. The Bobcats prevailed 21-14 over the Polar Bears in a game that saw linebacker Tony Hooks break a program record for tackles in one game and quarterback Colton Bosselet pass for one touchdown and rush for a pair of scores as well. Head coach Matt Coyne recaps the victory. You know, your first touchdown of the game, it's fourth down and 14. Was that what you drew up? He <laughs> kind of lofted it over the head of the defender there and snuck it there to Jackson Hayes. Yeah, I mean, I, it was definitely, you're in no man's land there. I think we we're on about like the 33-yard line. Um, so a punt, you know, does you no good unless you pin it. But, you know, you're kicking yourself if you kick it into the end zone and you, you know, have a net 13-yard punt. So we just said, hey, let's give our guys a chance to go make a play. Maybe we get a PI call or maybe we make a play. And I think, you know, um, you know, you put the ball up, you, you make them have to make a play, and they didn't, and we did. And, you know, we got to seven points, and obviously, you know, it was beneficial for us early on. And then Tony Hooks is everywhere every week, but he was really everywhere this week. 23 total tackles, a new Bates record for tackles in one game. What did you see from him? I think Tony, you know, he's just uh, a great person, uh, first and foremost, and he's worked really hard as a leader uh, of this team, and, you know, he's been through a lot. Um, and ultimately, he's you know a guy that's bought into our process here, and um, he knows he didn't play well last week. Um, and I think you know he took that to heart in the film room and, and really came out and and executed on all levels. And some of those tackles are on special teams too, whether right. he be on punt and, and kickoff. I mean, that's a guy who plays every snap on defense and lines up as as the number three on the kickoff team and, and the right guard on punt. Um, huh. You know, sort of embodies what we were talking about with this program of just putting your hard hat on and going to work. So. You know, Tony, you know, so proud of him and so happy for him that he was able to do it with some of um, his family. His former coach was in the stands, and, you know, obviously he was on the cover of the program, and it was really nice, and it couldn't happen to a better person. You know, in terms of some of the turnovers you guys were able to cause in that game, I mean, you guys were opportunistic, jumping on those loose balls. Jack Ryan seems like he was everywhere, too, and Finn Duffy and Kyle, Kyle Hamilton all over the place. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, Jack Ryan's had a lot of those in the past two weeks. Uh, you know, he's found a lot of the fumbles. Um, but, again, I think it's our defense was on the field for 80 plays. You know, our mm-hmm. offense was on the field for 48. Obviously, we want to, you know, change those numbers around and convert on more third downs, be able to, you know, give our defense some rest. But we talk about it all the time our defense will play anywhere, any spot of the field. And, you know, when we have to, you know, we're bend, don't break. And that's what we showed. We were going to make you earn the seven points. Um, and in the one on, you know, Kyle Hamilton, I mean, you look at it, uh, the running back's wide open. He's going to walk into the end zone. Um, but you make them have to make that play. And, 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 you know, you don't just give it to him. And, you know, Kyle got in disengaged, jumped up in the air, made a pick. And really, that was the game, you know, saving play right there, in my opinion, when you look at the film. Um, obviously, a lot of big plays in that game. But in the moment, um, to have that turnover was really great. 
And then Colin Bosley also using his legs a lot in this game, including a 60-yard touchdown run. Maybe he's not known as the fastest quarterback of all time, but he certainly looked pretty quick in this one. Yeah, Colin can move, and he's actually you know bigger than than people think. He's mm-hmm. all of 6'2", 200 pounds. Um, yeah. um, and really, you look at the running play, though, and it goes back to you know winning football plays. If you watch it, there's three blocks on that play by three receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at a guy like, uh, you know, Hom, uh, Dewara, he wasn't, you know, he's getting double teamed all game. Wasn't getting his number called because of, that's not where the ball's supposed to go. Um, but when you talk about it, you know, how much do you love your teammates? It's how you block when you don't have the ball. It's the, the effort that you give when, you know, you need to, you know, let someone else succeed. And you watch it, him, Oliveri, Jackson Hayes, um, you know, all made blocks on that play that sprung that from a 20-yard gain to a 60-yard touchdown. Um, and, and that's the stuff that can lead to, to success is, is when you have people doing those things. Terrific. And then, you know, you mentioned, you know, the play imbalance. Um, you know, what was the reasoning kind of – how did that happen? I, I noticed that off the game, like, I didn't realize Bonos had the ball so much, but they really did, didn't they? Yeah, and I think it was a mixture of, you know, we had a, a couple – you know, what I was disappointed with was our third and long situation sometimes we – we gave up a third and 11, a third and 10, and it was just stuff that was um, some things that we just haven't been doing mistake-wise for a couple of weeks that we just did. And, and, you know, we had to work through it. But some of their first downs were just bang-bang plays right at the sticks. They were throwing some slants, and, and really what we were trying to shade away from was getting beat on the double moves. They run a ton of double moves, slant goes, out and ups, hitch and goes. And we just wanted to make them earn it. And we were, you know, bang-bang, the ball was out, and they were getting it by a half a yard. Um, so, you know, sometimes that happens and you just got to live with it and, you know, shrink it to the red zone and, and really, you know, play some good quality defense on that end. Um, and that's just what we did tonight. Great. Any other players who really stood out on the film to you? Uh, I think, you know, I think it's Jamil, uh, mm-hmm. number 33, Malala, our running back. He was uh, a guy that's been working his, his, his butt off and got to see a little bit of that success tonight. Um, it was really good to see him. Um, I thought our offensive line, you know, operated well. We were just one or two blocks away, but all five of them, you know, did a decent job when we needed them to. Um, and, and, you know, defensively, I mean, I think our D-line, I think credit has to be given to them up front. I mean, they've gotten so much better throughout the year, and they play a ton of snaps. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of rotating going on there right now. Um, mm-hmm. But those guys have practiced and prepared that way and, and have built their bodies to be able to sustain that. Um, so they did a great job, and and you know also you know lastly on the defense side of the ball, I think he's been showing up all years is Jaron Sato um, at safety. I mean, the kid's a warrior. Um, you know, he comes downhill, he flies, he makes tackles, makes plays in the pass game, and um, you know really proud of his performance as well. Yeah, looked like for a moment he'd suffered an injury, but it looked like he was okay. Yeah, it was a toe. It was just a toe cramp, so okay. that's why it looked so yeah. weird uh, <laughs> with his foot bending in that way. I thought yeah. it was more serious as well. Yeah. Um, fortunately for us, you know, it was just a cramp, and he's yeah. good to go. So that that's that's positive news. All right, so you got Middlebury coming to town this weekend. Uh, I imagine an angry Middlebury team. Yeah, you know they had a tough game. You know, obviously they're playing uh, Trinity, two undefeated teams, and um, they lost in the final couple minutes there. Um, you know, really quality football team, well coached. You know, got a lot of respect for Coach Ritter. Played against him and have coached against him. Um, obviously, it's his last year at the helm, so I think the boys are playing for him, which uh, you know tested the type of man he is. And, and our guys know the challenge ahead of us. You know, we have good momentum going into it, um, but ultimately, you know, we respect um, the quality that Middlebury is going to give us. And, and for us, it's just continuing with the same motive: it's focusing on ourselves, it's getting better because we have a lot of things to correct. Um, you know, keep moving, keep working. 
um, and try to put our best version of ourselves out there and just compete for 60 minutes. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. If we do that, we'll have a good chance to succeed. You know, if we don't and we revert back to bad habits um, that we hopefully have gotten rid of, then, you know, it'll be a tough one. Um, and that's just the nature of it. I'm very honest about it with the guys. They understand it. And um, we just got to get back to work. I'm excited to get out to practice Tuesday and, and start to, you know, really game plan for mid and, and prepare for that challenge. All right, Coach. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Tony Hook's 23 total tackles on Saturday broke a program record that had stood since 1996. For his efforts, he was named the NASCAC Defensive Player of the Week, and he is our male Bobcat of the Week. It was amazing. I mean, we got uh, like total fan support. We had, it seemed like the whole school was there. We had um, professors there, my high school coach was there, it was, so it was an awesome, great atmosphere for sure. I was in the press box. I feel like it's the last I've heard Garcelon during my time here. What, what about you? Yeah, I agree. It was hard to hear on the field. <laughs> honestly, quite honestly, like we were getting play calling from the sideline and we had to like over communicate to each other because it was so hard to hear over all the fans. So it was awesome. And then you've obviously had some chance maybe to look at some film from the game already. What were some major takeaways you had from how the defense played? I think we just all played amazing. Like we we uh, like executed the game plan. I think that that was the main thing. Going into the game again, we knew we had to stop the run. I was what Bowden wanted to come here and do, and we were able to do that perfectly. Execute exactly what Coach Urkel, uh set out for us during the week. And then you're obviously a middle linebacker, but I feel like also you're not a safety, but sometimes it feels like you are the guy kind of making a big tackle to prevent them from getting a bigger gain, right? What do you, how do you kind of see your role out there? Yeah, I guess I see my role as uh, just doing what it needs to be done. Yeah. First to win the game, honestly. So, I mean, if that means chasing down a guy down the field, if that means uh, dropping back in coverage and um, making some plays in the past game, then that, that's that's what I want to do. That's what I have to do. Uh, I just want to win. So. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And obviously the Bobcats have won two in a row. You've got a tough opponent, though, coming in here, Middlebury. Probably a, an angry opponent, too. They lost a close one there at Trinity. What are your thoughts on Middlebury coming to town this weekend? Yeah, as you said, they're a great team. Um, they're about 4-1 right now. Came off a close loss to uh, Trinity this past week. So definitely a tough opponent, but I think that we've had some building some momentum. I think that we'll be ready to go on Saturday. Now, the defensive guy, um, you know, when you're on the sideline watching the offense, what would it like to see Colton Bosley running around out there uh, looking like uh, looking a little bit like Brendan Costa with some of those rushing <laughs> touchdowns, right? Yeah, that was very, very Costa-esque. Uh, yeah. I, I, I really enjoy um, watching him do that. So, I actually, a lot of times when we're on the bench, we're going over things that we just seen on the field defensively. So, I'm not always able to see all offense plays, but going back and being able to, like, watch film on it and, and see that big run that he had on Saturday, it's, it's amazing. It's great to see. And that kid's someone who comes in every day, like, works hard, always has the same attitude. Like good or bad, he's always someone who's always in a kind of seems like he's always in a good mood, and I love that about him. And it was, it was awesome to see him be able to make plays for us on Saturdays. Yeah, speaking of that, yeah, you mentioned um, there's a lot of in-game strategy, right? I mean, your coach Yurgle and, and everyone he's mean you guys for every possession, good or bad. What 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 does he kind of bring to the table in terms of those adjustments you guys are making in-game? Oh, he's awesome about it. So we we see things on the field that maybe we didn't expect to see on Saturday that we things that we didn't practice that week and he'll be like because like obviously teams are coming into games with their offensive identity but they also make wrinkles throughout the week and make changes so and game he, he notices those things and he makes adjustments on the sideline and he's able to do that really fast and with the help of coach rip and uh, coach alfonso bill davis as well so it's awesome yeah because coach rips he's got the uh, bird's eye view right How, yeah. what, what does that kind of add to things oh i mean like it, it's a it's a when you're up there, you're able to see the whole field. You're able to see personnel. You're able to see how the coaches is thinking. All the other other teams' coaches is thinking about calling plays. So, uh, having having them up there in the box and with all this experience, you know, for over 40 years coaching is it's amazing. Great. And then um, you touched on you know your family and friends and your high school coach being here. What were the conversations were like them after the words? You know, oh, I mean, everyone was just like just. I guess elated, like I was just happy that we were able to get the win and that they were able to come see me play during a historic night for me and 
it was just big for me. Again, I my first win here was against Bowdoin at yeah. a, at a night game, and this being another opportunity to play under the lights against a rival opponent, it was just an amazing atmosphere. I couldn't ask for a better Saturday night. Yeah, so I'm up there, obviously, my role in putting the stats during the game. I look like midway through the fourth quarter just to see some numbers and, like, Tony Hooks has over 20 tackles. Like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, was I was I accurate? Did you watch the film? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, yeah you're, we got that? Yeah, yeah. 23, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're definitely accurate. And for, for me, when you told me after the game, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like, honestly, if you told me I had 12, I would have believed it. I was right. just happy to get the win. And then once I heard that it was 20, I was like, that, that was just, it was insane. It was insane. Yeah, what does it mean to you to break a record that that's, you know, from the mid-90s, right? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, um, I've always, like, looked at the record books. And obviously, like, every kid here, like, you go, you come into a program and you want to be a part of uh, history so you look at the record books and you see like these crazy stats like 21 tackles in a game I was a record before and then I think Mike Hoke also owns, he owns the record for uh, career tackles yeah, as well yeah. so and he has about 400 so I'm like okay maybe I'm never gonna reach that number <laughs> so so being being able to, to hit the single game one was uh it's awesome well Tony thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast man you got class to get to let you go but thanks again yeah thank you Aaron appreciate it quarterback Colton Bosselet had a hand in all three touchdowns scored by Bates on Saturday we catch up with the sophomore and talk about his development as a QB in his second year as a Bobcat. When I wasn't starting, being able to just be as much of a help on the sideline as I can, um, talk to the rest of the offense about what I'm seeing, what I think we could um, like look to hit, certain things that are working, certain things we might want to change. And then as I've started to play, it's still same thing, um, just being out in the, on the field this time rather than being on the bench. And uh, we saw a little bit, I, I was joking with Tony, we saw a little Brendan Costa in you with some of those runs you had the other day uh, there against Bowdoin. Take us through those two touchdown runs you had. Uh, so the first one, um, it was supposed to be a rollout, and I just saw a whole bunch of open space in front of me, so I decided to take it. And then on the second, second one, um, we had a little pressure in the pocket because they sent a blitz, so I just stepped up in the pocket and there was nobody in front of me. Um, all our, our receivers on that play did a great job blocking downfield, getting on guys, doing it legally so we didn't get any penalties. And it was pretty easy to, to run when there was nobody that was going to touch me because everybody did such a great job blocking. Yeah, I mean, it was wide open space there to take it to the house. And, um, you know, the atmosphere, I was talking with Tony about this. That might be the last I've ever heard, Garcelon. What are your thoughts on the crowd? Oh, it was, it was electric. I loved it. Um, great, great atmosphere. Uh, um, I love how loud it gets whenever we score. We make a big play on defense or offense just whenever something good happened a crowd got behind us and it really helps really helps like change momentum when you make a big play and everybody's like with you and behind you it was kind of funny i think i saw once you guys had to tell the crowd hey quiet down we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to get a play call in right yeah i mean <laughs> it, it's great it's great when we're loud but sometimes like when we're on offense we got to be able to to communicate so <laughs> i mean I, i'm not not going to tell everybody to quiet down a lot because i love having it loud yeah for sure you got some great chemistry with your receivers i mean christian Oliveri, this guy you obviously connected with him last year very famously in the hamilton game for the game winning touchdown but describe how you built this relationship with your receivers whether it be Oliveri. Hayes or Diawara? So I spent a week out in California with Jackson Hayes this summer, throwing every day, stayed with him. So we really worked on our chemistry this offseason when I was out there with this week. Um, I got together with Oliveri because he's another mass kids. Yeah. So a bunch of the mass kids would get together. We'd play seven on seven, do some routes on air um, over the summer about once a week. And then once Hom got up here from Philly, I came up and threw with him a couple of times. 
once he was already living on campus. So just taking the extra time over the summer, just meeting up with those guys, working with them, just has really helped our chemistry. Your touchdown pass against Bowden there, you got hit while you threw. Uh, what was your point of view? I mean, you're going to the ground, that ball's floating up in the air, and then it got over the defender, right? <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea what was going on yeah. until I heard all the screams, and I was like, right, I guess I guess it was good. And then I see everybody celebrating around Jackson in the end zone, and I was like, perfect. Thank God. <laughs> right, right. Well, what did you see on that one? Because obviously you're trying to escape the pressure again, right? Yeah, so it was fourth and 15, so I knew yeah. I wanted to get a ball off and not take a sack. Um, and I saw Jackson kind of get lost behind the defender, so I just threw it up to him, and I was hoping that he would come down and make a play, and he did. Great. And then watching film, what were some major takeaways you had from that game about the offense and you know what, what you liked and what you're looking to build on here with Middlebury coming to town? Well, I really liked how we had our explosive plays and how we were able to capitalize on our explosive plays. Um, I think one thing that we have to work on is sustaining drives more because the defense played about double the snaps mm -hmm. that we did. So it's going to be important this week that we can get, make sure that defense gets a rest and that we can sustain drives and chew up some of the clock this week. Yeah, obviously Miller has a very good defense. What are some thoughts on them um, you know, in terms of what they bring to the table? Um, I think it's going to be a lot of film study um, this week, seeing what they do, how we can attack them, and just using our strengths to our advantage and their weaknesses to our advantage. All right, Colin. Well, thank you so much for joining the Bobcast. Congrats again on a couple of victories here in a row, and let's keep it going this Saturday. Thank you very much. The field hockey, men's soccer, and women's soccer teams all had their senior days against Tufts on Saturday. Field hockey fell 2-1 to to number 5 nationally ranked Tufts. Men's soccer tied the Jumbos nil-nil, and women's soccer prevailed over 20th ranked Tufts by a count of 2-1. to The Bobcats followed that up with a 2-1 to win over St. Joseph's on Monday. Senior captain Elizabeth Patrick scored both goals against Tufts and added another against the Monks. And she is our female Bobcat of the Week. Well, Elizabeth, what is it about you and Garcelon Field? Because I feel like your best <laughs> games typically happen on Garcelon. You had two goals there against a nationally ranked team in Tufts. Do you just like playing on turf? I do. I think it's a combination of the turf um, and also just the the space that Garcelon's in. It's right in the center of the field. We get a lot of fans, people passing by outside of Commons, and it's just that awesome sport environment that, that draws every athlete to competition that I love. And the goals you've scored there, I've noticed, are from pretty far out. Like, those were rockets at yeah. the distance. Do you, do you practice that? I do, actually, yeah. I um, I practice a lot with our assistant coach, Coach AJ. Uh, he does a lot of technical sessions, and we've been practicing that all year, just shots from that exact spot, and it feels like recently it's just clicked. And, you know, the, the sessions have paid off, I guess. And then the team as a whole what was working so well against Tufts because Tufts came in, obviously, one of the better teams in the NESCAC, at least mm -hmm. in the standings and the rankings, and you all were able to beat them. Yeah, I think we've, we have clicked as a group recently. In the beginning of the season, there was a lot of individual efforts, and, you know, the work ethic's always there, but it wasn't necessarily all 11 of us clicking on the field. And recently, that's been the shift is that we're trusting each other. We know that we can compete if we compete together, um, and it's been all the difference. Terrific. And then tell me a little bit about growing up in Cooperstown, New York. Is that right? I, I've, I've grown up summering there, but recently my parents have made the shift, so that's okay. where we live now. But I actually grew up um, like full year in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Ipswich, Massachusetts. Okay, mm -hmm. so summering in Cooperstown, though. What was that like? Because, that I mean, you're, you're a soccer player, but that's like a baseball. <laughs> that, that's known for baseball. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. The, the town is every little store is all baseball, everything. Yeah. Um, and... I actually have never even been in the Baseball Hall of Fame, <laughs> embarrassingly. Um, we, we're there for the lake. There's a beautiful lake, and there's um, mountains and, you know, so much nature. That's where my dad grew up, so that's why we are there. But 
it's you can't deny the baseball <laughs> in the town. That's kind of funny. Like, yeah, I feel like if you're from someplace or at least spend a lot of time there, you're not as interested in like the more touristy aspects, mm-hmm. I suppose, right? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, excellent. Then, um, how do you first, you know, how how did Bates sort of get on your radar when you're looking at uh, colleges? Yeah, I. It's actually funny because I was getting recruited for lacrosse to the NESCAC schools, um, and I was interested in Bates for lacrosse, but ended up you know, finding somewhere else to, um, that I was committed to and it fell through. It was sort of a, a whole mess, um, my senior year. And I ended up, I just love Maine. I've always loved Maine. So that's why, uh, I applied to the Maine schools and Bates was my favorite. Excellent. So you played a lot of soccer and lacrosse growing up then, I assume. Mm-hmm. And how do you get involved in those sports at a young age? Yeah, my brother, um, he actually played at Hobart. He played soccer there and I, I didn't actually play club soccer except for one year, um, but my family skis. So they were like, you, you're not going to be there on the weekend tournaments. We're going to be skiing in Maine, actually, at Sugarloaf. So I learned a lot of my soccer from just my brother and him being aggressive on me from an early age with, uh, you know, playing defense on him. You run a little track here also, if I recall, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. did you do any track in high school? or No, I never oh. did. <laughs> my, my high school actually um, was really small. We only had three we only had a sport each season, mm-hmm. uh, and track wasn't one of them. But I, I've always run, ran with my dad growing up, so I love running as well. What's it like being one of the captains of the soccer team this year? We actually have five captains. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's a lot. It's sort of a dispersive power in, in the best way possible. It's Everyone's a leader, um, and, you know, there haven't really been any any issues that have needed, you know, one, one person or multiple people to control. It's just sort of good vibes for the team. And then um, we're talking on Tuesday. So last night's game, another home game at Garcelon, another mm-hmm. goal for you, another victory <laughs> for the Bobcats. Take us through that game a little bit. Yeah, that was um, an opportunity for our whole team to play. That's um, We got a lead early on and um, just sort of got everyone to get some minutes and have a fun night Monday night there and at a conference team. So it wasn't as competitive, but, you know, we never l- overlook an opponent, so... Yeah, the team's had a lot of good success in non-conference this year mm-hmm. as well, um, and also, you know, a couple t- ties and now a win in NESCAC play. Is NESCAC term, I think, still kind of in the mix? you you got to finish strong, though, right? I mean, we have to win out, mm-hmm. um, and then also some other things have to happen okay. for us to make NESCACs, mm-hmm. but it's it's not out of the picture, which right. is refreshing because it has been in some past years. Um, so, yeah, and as I was saying, I think we've just recently clicked as a team, um, and it's just been an upward trajectory. So I'm really excited to compete this weekend. I think it'll be a great match. And Colby's also always a fun game. We've got the in-state rivalry, <laughs> so it's, I'm looking forward to those two. Yeah, I remember last year you had a great game against Colby there to end mm-hmm. the season, right? Yes, so. Garcelon again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the side will be at their place, though, right? Yes, yeah. it will, but they have a beautiful new facility. So, Is it turf, or are they? Are you going to be playing on grass there, you think? I believe it's turf since it's at night, mm. um, right. unless they have lights on their grass field, which would be sweet. It's possible, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious about um, the new overtime or lack thereof, right? If yeah. the game ends in a tie uh, um, after 90 minutes, that's it. What are your thoughts on that? How has that gone? I think it's been very favorable for us mm. um, because, you know, it, it, there's been times where we have the lead and then they come back and teams that might have maybe a little bit more depth um, are able to, you know, keep their foot on the gas all the way until the end, and and then they're not tired even. But whereas our team maybe were 
hanging on, trying to close out a game, but if there was if there was another 10, 20 minutes, it could be a different story. So I think that's been really helpful for us and our ties against Hamilton and Trinity. Though disappointing that they weren't a win, you know, a tie is still a point. So I'm, I'm happy that we skated by with those points and uh, we'll take it where we can. Sure. And then, I mean, with head coach Joe Very, how have you seen kind of the program start to kind of grow here as you uh, head towards graduation? Yeah, it's night and day since the beginning, I would say. Um, he's done a great job just building a good team culture and um, making sure everyone is where they need to be academically and socially and um, – which is which has made a big difference for us in terms of team culture. Now, for you as a senior, you were telling me that sports journalism is something that you're interested in now. Tell me a little bit about how that interest kind of developed for you. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, I can't stay away from the the energy of athletics. I just I it's something I've always been drawn to, and um, particularly with my experience at Bates, I've just loved, you know, connecting with passionate people and about sports and other areas of their lives. So something I'm thinking. Uh, it's going to call to me after school. <laughs> Excellent. What are your thoughts you wanted to share about this past weekend? Obviously a very successful one uh, for the Bobcats there for Senior Day. Yeah, it was uh, It was great. It was electric. Um, we haven't – I don't think we've – we've never been tough since I've been mm. here. And I think going into it, um, people were a little bit scared naturally because they're, they're a great opponent. And it was – we shocked ourselves in the best way and just proved to ourselves we can do it. So – we're still riding a high from the two wins. Bobcat of the Week, Elizabeth Patrick, thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. The golf teams wrapped up their fall schedule at the New England Intercollegiate Golf Association Championship Saturday and Sunday at the Captain's Course on Cape Cod. Junior Alex Voigt-Shelley continued her excellent season for the Bobcats, tying for 10th place out of 57 competitors. She and first-year Ruby Haylock both performed well two weeks ago at the NESCAC Fall Qualifier, meaning they will represent Bates at the NESCAC Championship in the spring. This week, Voigt Shelley and Haylock join the Bobcast. Well, let's go back two weeks to the NESCAC Fall Qualifier there at Amherst. Um, Ruby, you had a big second round after kind of a tough first round, you know, from Saturday to Sunday. What adjustments did you make? What was working better the second day for you? We did a practice round um, before the qualifier, but... To actually, like, play the full course and be in the mindset of, like, playing competitively, it's completely different from playing just a practice round because you just don't have that mindset. Um, so having played and taken a lot of shots on the course the first day, um, it was definitely – I was in the mindset of, like, improving my score significantly the second day because, like – my first day was just unacceptable for myself, and I didn't want to have to go through that again. <laughs> so, yeah. Any holes that you remember that stand out on day two? Um, on hole 17, I had a perfect shot on a par three. It was one. It was playing 110. Um, I hit my eight iron, and I stuck it to like six inches from the cup. So it almost went in, but. Nice. Just landed like boom right there. Uh, it landed and then rolled just Oop. a little tiny bit. Nice. It was, it was a nice shot. <laughs> and then Alex, for you, I mean, you've been so consistent all season, and once again, you know, a, you know, a solid performance at the fall qualifier. What are, what has been key to your consistency throughout the year? It seems like for the team. I think we've had a lot of really great opportunities to practice. I mean, we've been out every day at Martindale since the start of the season, um, and specifically working on things that we need 
to work on it. At least like that's what I've been doing for myself. Um, Cause everything changes week to week as well. Like one day my driver will be great. And like this past weekend, it was not great, you know? So um, just getting out there um, and practicing and learning new shots as well, I think has been really key for um, staying consistent. Excellent. And then, you know, what does it mean for you as a first year to qualify for NESCACs as an individual? I mean, you're looking forward to the spring already here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, definitely coming off the season is really bittersweet. Like, I mean, I had my first season of college golf and it was a lot of fun and I absolutely loved my team. Um, but now, like, I don't know what to do with my time. <laughs> I mean, I've spent so much time on the course and with my team and um, now I have free weekends so um but yeah I'm definitely looking forward to the spring already and getting back out there yeah and Alex is one of the team leaders as a junior here what's it like to see this team you know come together and have such a good year really I mean a couple uh first place finishes uh you know some really good tournaments right yeah it's been wonderful I mean the whole team has a really great dynamic we feel like a big family um it's been really nice to have Ruby and Kendall both of our freshmen on the team and they've made it really special for us um and just to be able to get out there and play pretty well pretty consistently over the course of our season and get a couple of wins that has been great especially for Bates Golf because we're kind of a new program as well like things have changed a lot since my freshman year because it was only me and one senior girl who played in the spring you know so to have like a full team going to all these tournaments together and practicing together has been really a wonderful experience for me and I'm so excited to see what happens next. So this past weekend the captain's course on Cape Cod I've heard I've never been there but I've heard it's very windy I don't know what was what what were the conditions like this past weekend? We actually got really lucky I think um I was expecting, we're so close to the Cape, you know, so I was expecting wind and cold weather, and it, it did rain a little bit on day two. Day yeah, it was two? just like a light sprinkle. Yeah, but for the most part, it was sunny and a beautiful day to play golf, and uh, it was really nice, actually. It was a really great final tournament. Well, I don't think it could have been more perfect. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> it was good conditions. conditions. It was beautiful. And 10th place for you. I mean, what was working so well? You said your driver was not working. No. <laughs> but what did work then? Um, I was thinking a lot of putts. Um, even on day one, day two, I only had one three put, um, for both days, which was really great. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I, I was just really excited to play that tournament. I think for me, it was more of a mental thing for the, for why I played so well. I was, I mean, I was really sad that it was our last tournament, but I was, it, it was just so much fun fun that tournament like we sort of all went into it as like a this is like a fun final tournament like we want to play our best um but you know like what happens happens and I think mentally I was just really ready to go out there and and show everybody what I could do at the last one and yeah I played really well day two especially I had some rough holes (laughs) towards the end there but I overall I was really proud of myself and I was really proud of the way the team finished and yeah, it was just great. To she be killed there. it. Oh, thanks. She killed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and the team, I'd say, a, a strong, strong showing, right? Fifth place. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good yeah, for us. I, good. I definitely didn't do as well as I would have hoped for my last tournament. Um, but it was really exciting to see both Alex and uh, Grace played really well too. Mm-hmm. She had two of her better rounds for the season. Yeah. So and Maddie played really yeah, well. Yeah, Maddie played too. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maddie had the medalist honor earlier this year at Williams. That yeah. was probably pretty cool to see, right? Someone yeah. joined you as a medalist <laughs> this season, right? <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. I'm really proud of 
how well the team has done both as a team and individually. I think we've all um, set new expectations for ourselves in terms of our game and what we're capable of doing. Um, so it's really nice to see everybody like breaking the their comfort zones of like their game. So. And Alex, I Ruby touched on this earlier, but the long layoff now between your fall season and the spring where you have the NESCAC championship, you went through this last year. What lessons can you impart to Ruby perhaps on how to handle this kind of long layoff, right? Well, I've discovered that it's really hard in Maine. I mean, you're a Mainer. You'd understand yeah, right. this. But, like, for me, like, it's – Martindale, like, our home course is closed until almost May pretty much when our first tournament is. So that's um, not great when you're playing golf. Um, but I think we're just all really lucky to be able to have an indoor sim room. Um, I was in there – a lot over the winter and I know you will be too but um yeah I, I just think understanding that you you know you're not going to play as well in the spring too because I, I think we all like last year we were all like expecting to shoot our best scores and we really hadn't played a single round of golf since then but um you know just understanding that you know um how to play and you know that you are good and that you can play and that you've put a lot of work into it, I think is a really helpful thing to think about as well. And Ruby, how about that sim room? Have you made much use of it yet or mostly been outdoors? No, we've been outdoors um, the whole season, but Alex and I sat down this morning for breakfast and we were already talking about our workout plan (laughs) and um, how many days a week we'll be in the sim room versus in the weight room. So... (laughs) I'm excited. And the sim room, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you can set, like, different courses, like, throughout the country or throughout the world even. What's your favorite one to set it to? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, on the sim room, we, we kind of just, like, hit shots, you know, and we don't really play. I mean, I've played on other sim rooms where I got to play, like, Pebble Beach right, on the right, sim right, room, yeah. which has been really cool. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we're going to add some new upgrades to the sim room. So hopefully we'll get to play some more courses. Um I'm excited about it. Awesome. And, and you being a Mainer, you know, growing up, how do you deal with the winter? I mean, you want to golf, right? But. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's always been a really nice break um, because I'm competing, like, right when I can get on the course. I'm playing in tournaments, like, down south a little bit, and I'm traveling. And then all summer I'm competing, and then I'm competing right into the fall with previously high school but now college. Um so I feel like I've always kind of needed that break to just, like, um, focus on other things. And um, I lift over the winter and, like, get in shape for the season. And really everything is dedicated to the golf season. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm on the course or not. It's it's about golf most of the time. So, I mean, it's nice to have that mindset but not necessarily on the golf course. Gotcha. What are your thoughts, either of you wanted to share on, like, the season so far and how the fall went and whatnot? I mean, I saw, obviously, the team had a lot of fun. We talked about Instagram and all that good <laughs> stuff, right, Alex? <laughs> yeah, it, we, we did have a lot of fun. We made a, a bunch of TikToks, yeah. and, you know, I think that all of it brought us closer together. And, um, yeah, it, it was really nice to be out there with the whole team and our coach, Abby, who has been great. So, Yeah, um, I feel like I've learned a lot being in a, on an all-girls team this year. I haven't ever done that well since like middle school Mm. I haven't been on an all-girls team so it's really nice to like see that dynamic and um see like the switches and what like the differences between being on a co-ed versus all girls um 
so I definitely have a lot of takeaways from the season and I've learned a lot of lessons inside like about the golf course and off the golf course which is really nice um but I've become so close with my team and I absolutely love all of them I mean I couldn't have asked for like a better team dynamic and a more accepting um like family <laughs> at this point ruby alex thank you so much for joining us on the bobcast and congrats again on qualifying as individuals there for nescax really appreciate it thank, thank you, you so much. much the rowing teams head to the iconic head of the charles regatta this sunday and head coach peter steenstra previews the race coach head of the charles regatta this sunday obviously always a really fun event what are you maybe looking forward to most about this year's edition of the head of the charles uh once again taking a big group which is always fun we've got three eights total um one for the men and two for the women, and then a four on e either side. And, and all five of the boats have pretty good uh, starting positions. We've we got three boats that are starting in the single digits, which to put down a good performance at the Charles, it helps a lot uh, to have one of those single-digit bound numbers. So it means that the year before, if you have a good finish, then you're that much more prepared for the, this, this current one, you know. It's just, it just means you should be in boats that are very similar in speed. Everyone is racing hard, um, and there shouldn't be a whole lot of overlap or clashing. And if, if you are going to pass someone, it's usually going to be one boat that you're passing and not through some clump of mess. Certainly. And then um, last year, obviously, a very good showing for both men and women. I know women got third. Men had, I think, a top five performance or somewhere yeah. in that range. Um, so, um, obviously... You know, women were a lot of new names last year. The men had a lot more experience. Now might be a little bit reversed. <laughs> yeah, it is somewhat reversed. Yeah. You know, we do have a couple seniors in the 1V. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the men's side. Yeah. But we do have three first-year guys in there. So okay. it is a it's a fairly young group, plus uh, sophomores that are in there. You know, so it's, it's a, it's a well-rounded but generally younger crew. Um, high level of skill. They've got good size. They're tall guys. A lot of them, there's a, you know, the whole boat is right around six foot plus. So it's a good, good group. Um, on the women's side, yeah, you're, you're looking at um, kind of a senior-ish, junior-ish, kind of an older group, um, but largely made up of like the 1v2v from last year. So there's a lot of experience that's returning to the race course and really looking forward to, to putting something down. Bound, bound number three is a great place to mm -hmm. be. They got Wellesley ahead of them, and they've got WPI behind them. So it's you know very familiar, very competitive, very hardworking groups that you know are always seem to be battling each other, whether it's 2K in, in Florida or if it's uh, 5K here in Boston. So yeah, Wellesley and WPI, those two kind of really emerged as big time competitors for the Bobcats last year. What's that dynamic like with them? Because they're not NESCAC schools, uh, but they're obviously really, really good. Oh yeah, no, they're they're good. They're big programs too, similar yeah. to us. You know, we're we're looking at four and a half or five boats deep, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that Wellesley is the same, if not bigger, and especially in the fall. Uh, WPI is usually somewhere around the three or four boats, so it, it's deep programs that have good coaches. Uh, their coaches have all been there for long periods of time, so it's a uh, it's a really good matchup for us, and we look forward to racing them. Great, and then tell us about your captains for both the women and the men. Yeah, we've got Maeve Mikulski and Casey Winter on the women's side. Um, and on the men's side, it's uh, Timmy Bates and uh, Ben uh, McDonald 
we just call him BMAC. Mm. But uh, yeah, good group of senior captains. Um, again, just <laughs> experienced people. They're mature. They're good athletes. They're good, hardworking folks. The the team elected them into those positions because they they really believe that they're the ones to to lead. Um, and part of that deal is being able to kind of deal with me. So the four of them. You know, I wouldn't say that it was uh, it was a match made in heaven from the start, but I think we're all working pretty well at it. And and it's just, you know, the way that the program works is we start with that trust on the front end and openness and being honest. And, and uh, you know, I think things are going really well. Terrific. And then the Heather Charles, more so than any other race, is a coxswain's race. This is the chance for the coxswains to really yeah. shine. Tell us about your coxswains for both the women and the men we're going to be seeing out there. Yeah, on the Coxon side, uh, so Aiden, uh, well, just Brady. We're yeah. just going to call him Brady. Uh, he's <laughs> he's uh, doing really well in that role. Um, he is very much a, a um, he's a captain of the team, I think. I know that he doesn't get to have the badge of honor on his chest, but there's no question that as the top Coxon on the men's side, he's doing a really good job. Um, he comes in, you know, we do some additional video work and and uh, he works with the guys out on the water kind of individually because we've on the men's side we have an eight and a four mm -hmm. and so um Kean, the men's assistant coach has been working with the jv8 guys but divided into two fours okay so that sends the men's varsity eight off on their own quite a bit mm -hmm. and i've been working with the women um a little bit more than with the men just to make sure i'm i've got the right lineup there uh, so the guy, that guy's lineup was made pretty early on, and you know Brady's done such a real, such a good job being the leader of that boat, and in a way, kind of being partly the coach for that boat. He's done a good job with them. Um, on the women's side, you know we have two top end coxswains in uh, um, Celine, uh, Olivia Celine, and also um, um, Isabel Sobolewski. So I have to work through the nicknames when I have to come right, up with yeah. all their last names, but yeah. <laughs> So we call her, it's OG and Bella. OG and Bella. Okay. <laughs> OG and Bella. There you go. Yeah, but they've done a great job, and they're, they're competing for that top spot. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it hasn't been really clear. They both have good skills in, in their own way. They have talent in their own ways. So much comes down to the personality of the crew and what is that best fit. Um, and then there's the role that the two boats play. One of them is in bow three. The other one's bow 13. So about 13, theoretically, might have more traffic to get through, mm -hmm. right? So maybe you want to have someone who can kind of see down the course a little bit better. Um, but the person who's driving that bound number three, you want them to drive the cleanest possible course, straight through, put that whole race course right on a rope, you know, make a straight line out of it. So once you put, once you try to piece all that together, you figure out who that individual is that can kind of fit the two boats better. Right, one of the two boats better, and we we often talk even with the whole group together. It's about being in the V sixteen. That's what matters right. anyway. Um, so, yes, one boat, the the A boat is the one more likely to have a shot of actually winning the thing. Um, but that doesn't mean that the second boat doesn't have a shot because who knows what can happen on this race course, right? Um, but I can see why there is this real desire to be the 1V coxswain versus the 2V, mm -hmm. and that is taken into consideration. But we never lose sight of what really matters in the end is what we do in the springtime. Yeah. And so it's about being uh, in that V16, and, and once you're there, knowing that, that you have a job and a role to play.
Heather Charles is such an interesting race also because, as you've talked about, because of the staggered starts, you don't know where you rank. Like, in a, in a, in a 2K race, you, yeah. you know if, at the Coxon where you are. Yeah. You don't know for this, right? Yeah, you don't know at all. And, yeah. and even who knows what happens with the bound number one and bound number two. Yeah. Maybe our, our boat gets, for whatever reason, gets through them easily, mm. and then you can have this false sense of security right. going down the course, and you definitely don't want to do that. Right. Um, and we you know it's funny. We've had some really good battles out on our river here between our, our two boats. Mm. And so, uh, you know, our second boat knows that they're right on the heels of that first boat. And, um, you know, they have a real good line. Who knows? Maybe things get cleared out in front of them. They end up going down the river by themselves. And if that's the, if that happens, then they have a real good shot of being a top-end finisher here. Mm. So sometimes you just get a little bit lucky. You, the river is clear in front of you, and you get a straight, clear line from beginning to end. And if that's the case, it's like being bound number one, mm. right? And you never know. Right. <laughs> never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, any other thoughts you want to share about this upcoming Heather Charles? Again, Sunday um, there, and you can find the links on GoBaseBobcats.com to how to watch. But any other thoughts you wanted to share? No, the other, only other thing I would say is we're excited about the two fours that are also yeah. going down. You know, that's they're the ones that we're starting bow seven and I think bow 15 on the men's side. Mm. So, again, very fresh groups in both of those boats we're very excited for all of them um we've got you know Braslau is the first time going down the charles mm-hmm. kind of race course person so she's pretty excited about that and then on the men's side we have uh izzy beck who switched from the women's team over to the men's roster and uh you know she's pretty excited to get down there she and and uh Cody had a good battle for that seat. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're really excited about the fact that we have such good coxswains from top to bottom. And those that come in to our program, they're learning quite a bit. Um, one way to look at it is I, I think we have, you know, four or five of the best coxswains in the NESCAC are all at this school. Mm. Anywhere they, if they were to go to some other school, they could be, they probably would be the first coxswain. Mm. So they're very good. Uh, it's a it's a good like sub or secondary team within the team. Yeah, like they work well together. They're supportive of each other, and it's that kind of environment that allows everyone to improve and get better. Um, they compete against each other all the time. They they want that next seat up. They really do, but they do it in a very respectful and a very professional way. And I, I'm just very impressed with all of them. In other Bates athletics news this week. The women's cross-country team placed fifth out of 22 schools at the Connecticut College Invitational on Saturday, with senior captain Jill Richardson finishing third individually. Meanwhile, the men finished seventh out of 23 schools. The tennis teams finished their fall schedule with a pair of victories, as the women beat Endicott 7-2, and the men defeated St. Michael's 5-4 at the Wallach Tennis Center on Saturday. Volleyball won a thrilling 3-2 match against St. Joseph's last Tuesday, and they host Bowdoin in non-conference action this Tuesday. The only other home contest this week for Bates is football hosting Middlebury Saturday at 1 p.m. Catch up with all the latest news at GoBatesBobcats.com, and we'll recap this week's action next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, 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 Bates.